So Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and do what you alone can do, which is to change our hearts. And through changing our hearts, that you would change our lives. Amen? Amen. Okay. So um, it was the comedian Milton Jones who once said this. He is a Christian. He's a comedian who is a Christian. He says this. If becoming a Christian is just about changing your culture and language, then I may as well become a Norwegian. Let me say that again. Some of you are thinking, that's a bit bizarre. That's the point. If becoming a Christian is just about changing your culture and language, then I may as well just become a Norwegian. The, the good news of Jesus is that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again to change every single part of our lives. To turn our words, not upside down, but right side up. And last week, um, if you missed it, I'd encourage you to get it. I, I spoke in online church, and it's available on all our podcasts, on the importance at the beginning of a new year of putting ourselves under God, God's heart monitor. That God wants to check our hearts, search our hearts, and bring healing and wholeness and freedom to our hearts. And this Sunday, and again two weeks' time, I want to talk about what I think are some key shifts of the heart that God wants to see happen in us and make work in us in order that we can enjoy the wholeness and freedom that God has for us. Does anyone feel like they need a shift in the heart today, yeah? Anyone? Talk to me, people. Yeah, you are alive, yeah? Cool, good. And so if you were around in Zio last year, you'll know that um, every year we have a word for the year. And our word for the year last year was reboot. It was our 40th year, and we believe that God's word to us was that he wanted, beyond COVID and beyond our 40th year, and the number 40 in Scripture is always significant. It's always a time of shift and transition. Uh, and, and that he wanted to reboot us into a brand new chapter. And our core Scripture was Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. God speaking says, For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. God is always wanting to do something new. Always wanting to do something new. And, and this whole thing of, of uh, pathways and rivers is all about God saying, I, I want to bring refreshment. I want to bring life. I want to bring hope back into the barren places in your world, in your land. I'm going to do something new. And he says, do you not see it? It's already begun. And I spoke to you last year that this word see is the Hebrew word yada. And it means to experientially and relationally connect with something. It doesn't just mean like a seeing or a knowing from a head knowledge or an intellectual knowledge, like I've seen it. It, 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 it literally means it's not like I've seen haagen ice cream, but I have tasted it and it is good. It's like that. It's, it's that experiential participation of it. And that's what God was saying in this passage in Isaiah 43. I am doing something new. And when he says, do you see it? He's essentially saying, will you jump in? Will you join in? Will you participate? Will you experience? Will you throw yourselves into this? Will you know that I'm doing a new thing? Not intellectually, because it, but because it's becoming your personal experience that I'm doing a new thing. And, and so last year was the year of reboot, and so we believe, as we've prayed, that therefore God is propelling us from the reboot with that invitation, can you see it, and is inviting every single one of us in this year to shift. You keep hearing this word, because that is the word we believe for 2022, shift. God wants to make a shift 
in our lives. It's going to take a move. And ultimately, it's a shift of the heart. Because if God shifts our hearts, then our lives will be shifted. I shared last week, Proverbs 27, 19, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. And so, you know, two or three months ago when we started to sense as, uh, as a team and uh, that shift was the word that takes the reboot and now we're going to shift, we're going to position ourselves, we're going to come into alignment with the new thing that God's doing and started to pray and ask God, okay, God, what are the shifts? Because like we all have shifts ourselves that we want to see, don't we? There are things that we're saying, like we prayed this morning, God, I want to see this shift, and I want to see that situation shift, and that circumstance shift, and that's good. We're going to pray and fast this week and believe for those things. We're going to put them on our prayer cards, and we're going to go for it. We're going to give heaven no rest. Amen? But, but the question here is, but God, what are the shifts that you want to see in me? Not the shifts that, God, I'm asking you to do, but what are the shifts that you actually want to see in me? And I'm going to share this week and in two weeks' time some shifts that I believe that God's laid on my heart to share with us. And they're going to upset us a bit. They're going to provoke us a bit. They're going to challenge and stretch us a bit because, because God wants to do a new thing. And, and I, I've been provoked by this stuff. And, and, and I guess, again, some of us will think, like, I, I, you know, even as I was kind of praying and writing some stuff down, I was like, really? Like, I think I know that. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, you know it, but you don't know it. Like, you, you, you kind of know it here, Matt, but you don't really know it. You don't see it. You haven't experienced it. And so are you ready, folks? I would encourage you, like, if you're never given to taking notes or something like that, I would encourage you to do this or listen to this message again because there are some things that I'm going to share that you might want to write down and then send me emails about later. <laughs> so, again, nudge the person next to you and just say, get ready for the first shift. Get ready for the first shift. Okay. Okay, here we go. Shift number one. Let me just check the time. Cool. Okay, we're good. Shift number one. The first shift that I, I felt like God was saying is that we need to make a shift, every single one of us, some more than others, from religion to relationship. From religion to relationship. Like every time over the years, and this will be the experience of many of you, of, you know, when, when I find myself connecting with people who, who, are, who are not Christians, and maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian, and that's fine, you are so welcome. Like if you're, a, if you're an atheist, you are really welcome. And if you're a Satanist, you are especially welcome. Uh, but you are, everyone is welcome, whoever you are, you really, really are. But when I talk to people not of faith and I tell them I'm a church leader, they always say the same thing. They always say, oh, I am not a very religious person. Have you ever had that conversation? They say, I'm not a religious person. And then I always respond the same way. And I say, well, I'm not a religious person either. And then they look at me utterly confused. They go like, how can that? You're a church leader. You're not religious. And I say, well, the thing is, I don't believe that Jesus came to establish a religion, but he did come to establish a relationship. Like that Jesus is all about relationship and nothing about religion. That's what he is about. And, 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 and that's what he's inviting us to embrace. Jesus came to restore, to reconnect an eternal, life-giving, loving relationship with God with each and every one of us. And I'm sure we would all agree with that, wouldn't we? But the big question is, have we really embraced that? Are we really buying into that? Or have we become religious? We've become religious. How can you tell that you have embraced religion more than relationship? Let me give you five things. Five things, okay? And let me confess. Confession's good for the soul, okay? I'm guilty of all these five things, okay? 
So if you're not guilty of any of these things, then next week you should be preaching and not me. So here's number one. You're more focused on doing than being. You're more focused on doing. You think it's all about doing stuff for God rather than being with God. Secondly, you believe your doing is necessary to earn God's approval. If I do the right stuff, God's going to approve. When you fail, thirdly, when you fail in your doing, you grapple with self-condemnation. Fourthly, when you succeed in your doing, you battle with self-righteousness. You tend to think you're better than everyone else. And number five, and this is, I think, is the biggest challenge for most Christians. When you experience suffering, you get mad at God because you thought your doing should have earned you a free pass from suffering. So you say, God, look, I, I've given in my church. I've served all these years. I've, I, I, I've done all of these things for you. And now I'm in this thing like, surely, God, you owe me. Friends, that's religion. And there are three problems with it. Write this down. There are three problems. Problem number one is transactional. It's reduced your relationship with God to a transaction, a contract. God, if I do this for you, then you have to do this for me. And so as I've done all these things, you're going to do all these good things. And of course, the reverse is true. When we feel we fail, then we think that God will no longer love us and that he'll be mad at us and he'll want to punish us. It's just a transaction. It's a contract. But God isn't interested in a contract, friends. He came to create a covenant. A covenant, a covenant of love where he fulfills both sides of the bargain. That's another preach. It's transactional. Second of all, it's exhausting. It's utterly exhausting. Like how, do you, how can you do enough like to reap the benefits? How can you be good enough? You know, you think, okay, I'm embracing. I'm, I've been really good. Like I've started the new year. I'm praying 10 minutes a day. And then you, you hear someone else who's praying two hours a day. And then you think, oh, man, that's what I've got to do. And if I don't get that, I won't get the blessings. It is exhausting. And thirdly, and most importantly, and this is good news, it's impossible. It's just impossible. Like we're not smart enough. We're not clever enough. We're not perfect enough, consistent enough, good enough, wise enough to keep it up. It is impossible. And so the most beautiful and humbling truth you can accept, and it is humbling, is to admit that you are broken and you are fragile and you don't have life together and that you struggle and you have questions and you have doubts. And there is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing you can do to earn the approval of God. Nothing you can do, because when you embrace the reality of that truth, then you can discover the next amazing truth, which is he loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. John is one of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and see, this is like interactive. It's amazing, isn't it? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, John was one of the gospel writers, and he's the last person to write the gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all very similar. They're called the synoptic gospels. But John writes his near the end of his life, 60 years after Jesus has died, rose, and returned to heaven. And one of the things, his, his gospel is very different than the other three, is that you will see that he refers to himself by a title. And so every time he refers to himself, he doesn't call himself John. He calls himself the disciple Jesus loved. Now, I don't know about you. That sounds a bit arrogant to me. It's like, you know, Peter's called Peter. James is called James. Andrew's called Andrew. Bartholomew, Bartholomew. Mary, Mary. But um, take the shackles off. Anyway, no, that's all right. Just, just felt a moment there. Some of you are like, what, what happened? I had a Mary, Mary moment. Wave your hand if you actually know what I'm talking about here. And look around those who aren't waving and tell them later. And so... And so back to preaching. Sorry. Help me, Jesus. And, uh, 
and, and, but John calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, I think one of the reasons that he did this is because all the other disciples has actually been martyred, so he figured he could get away with it, probably. But actually, the real reason he did this, and this is utterly profound, is not out of arrogance. It's out of wonder. Because what John is saying when he just keeps referring to himself as the disciple Jesus loved is this. The most important thing you need to know about me is that I'm loved by Jesus. That is my core identity. That is actually who I am. And you can imagine when he publishes his first gospel and people start to read it. Some people, they know John. And they're saying, but John, like you're anxious, you're insecure, you're a failure, you mess up, you're broken, you get things wrong, you sin, you swear sometimes, you, you do all manner of things. And John would say, yes, but I'm loved. But I'm loved. I'm all of those things, but I'm loved despite my complete inability to lift myself to God. He has lowered himself to me and declares that he loves me all the same. Which is why, again, if you do a little study, you'll discover John's gospel talks about the love of Jesus at least three times more than any of the other gospels. He just cannot get over the love of God. And, and a few years later, he writes three letters. He cunningly calls them First John, 2 John, 3 John. It's brilliant branding. And First John is the longest of the letters. And guess what the theme is? It's love. Because he can't get over God's love. He says in First John 4, 10, this is what real love is. Not the, our love for God. It's God's love for us. He sent his son to die in our place to take away our sins. He loves us. And, and then he gets a few verses on. And in this moment of wonder, he's, he's trying to say, I just want people to understand more than anything else what this God is like. These are the, literally some of the last words that are ever written in the Bible. And he just says, I want people to know these three words. God is love. The very essence of God is love. God has not invited you and I into this perfect loving relationship on the basis of what we do. He has invited us into this perfect loving relationship on the basis of what Jesus has done. Religious people live by the mantra, what must I do? Followers of Jesus who understand relationships say, it has been done. It has been finished on the cross. It's done. It is done. It's what the Bible calls grace. Grace. You want a good description of grace? Here we go. Grace is God's undeserved, extravagant, limitless, loving kindness, goodness, and favor. Let me say that again. Grace is God's undeserved, we don't deserve it, extravagant, completely over the top, limitless, there's no end to it, loving, that's its motivation, kindness, goodness, and favor. That is what God is like towards you. That's amazing, isn't it? Amazing. And this word grace appears throughout the whole of the Bible. And the Apostle Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, he's fanatical about it. And he should be, because he was an absolute git. He was, he was horrible. I want to say something worse than that, but I thought I might end up with a bleep reel. Like, he was a horrible, horrible person, killing Christians. And then he has an encounter with Jesus. His life completely changes, and he understands, therefore, grace. Because he, come, he discovered this amazing thing, which is true for every single one of us today. It wasn't that he was searching for and running for Jesus, but Jesus came looking for him. Jesus came looking for him, was knocking on the door of his life every single second of every day. And one day, he finally connects with it, and he goes for it. Grace, grace, grace. And that's why he says these words, famous words, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take any credit for it. 
It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. Good news. It's just a gift. No one can boast. And so the unique message of Christianity, friends, is this. There is nothing you can do to make God love you. And there is nothing you can do to earn God's approval. God unconditionally and relentlessly loved you since before you were even conceived. And God alone can save you. So listen, I'm speaking to everyone, including myself. Stop trying to impress God. Stop trying to impress Him. And also, stop trying to impress other people. Stop trying to impress me. Stop trying to impress someone in your group. Just give up. That's religion. Stop it. Quit. You don't need to do it. The best thing you and I can do, including me, give up, admit I'm broken, and surrender to that love. Surrender to that love. Author Brendan Manning, in his brilliant book, which I read again over Christmas, The Ragamuffin Gospel, such a beautiful book, he writes this, Jesus comes not for the super spiritual, but for the wobbly and weak need who know they don't have it all together and who are not too proud to accept the handout of amazing grace. Any, any wobbly, weak need people here today? A- any broken, bust up people today? You know, Good news, Jesus is here for you. Anyone completely screwed up today? Anyone feel like you're not worthy? Like, remember the, the very night that Jesus was about to be tortured and then executed the following day, he looked in the faces of those who were about to desert him, betray him, and deny him, and he washed their feet. It's grace. Grace. The first shift that God is going to look for us, and it's a shift of the heart, is from religion to relationship. And then the second shift which can only be possible because of the first one, is this. And this one will touch a nerve perhaps as well. Shifting from consumer to consumed. God wants to see a shift in us when we shift from consuming church to be consumed by Jesus. Utterly consumed by Jesus. Because we all battle with consumerism. It's the consumerism story goes right back to Genesis 2. Consumerism puts us at the very center of our universe. It puts me on the throne of my life, that I'm in charge, I'm the leader. And so every decision that I make is guided by what I want, what suits me. And it's the very opposite, friends, of the way of Jesus. But you can see how it connects with us being religious if we're not careful. And I don't, I don't know a single person who doesn't grapple, particularly in Western culture, with consumerism in some way. And today, it has exploded in the form of rampant individualism. Rampant individualism. Because the message of our culture today, and we all know this, is this. And it sounds fantastic. The message of the culture is this. Be whatever you want to be. Be whatever you want to be. Like, you know, you, you, you're, you're the king and queen of your life. Be whatever you want to be. And if you buy into that, then, of course, that means you should do whatever you want to do because you've got to do whatever you want to do in order to be whatever you want to be. And it sounds so liberating. It sounds so freeing. I can do whatever I want. I can be whatever I want. But the problem is, as I've already explained, we're not smart enough. We're not clever enough. We're not wise enough. We're not good enough. We're not persistent enough to figure that out. And we don't have the power and strength necessary. And consumerism can just be as prevalent in the church, can't it, as anyone else? You know, I I started to look 
come up with a whole list of how it can be, but just don't have time. But like, you know, let's just think of one easy example that I'm going to go for a more challenging one in a minute. Like, and we've all done it. I've done it. Like, how many of you have left a, a service here or another church and like, oh, I didn't get much out of the worship today? Come on, we've all said, haven't we? I didn't get much out of the worship today. As if it was for you. It's actually not about you, and it's not about me. It's about him. And, and we could be having, you know, uh, someone at the front here humming on a kazoo, hopping on one leg, singing Kumbaya, and I can still worship Jesus because it doesn't even matter what's going on here. It matters what's going on here. That's what really, really matters. And listen, I'm like you. There are some songs I like and some songs I don't like and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's all. That's personal taste. But my personal taste, my personal preferences should never, ever get in the way of me worshiping Jesus. You know, some of us, I know my good friend and brother John Draper has, like me and, and others of you, I know Felicity, we've been to other countries. We've, we've worshipped gods in, in places like India and Pakistan in meetings that last hours. And we haven't got a clue what's going on. We don't know the songs that they're singing. But I look at them and they seem to be having a good time. And so I can either just sit there and just think, oh, I'm hot and sweaty in this Indian tent. And I'm worried that motorcyclists are going to come around and machine gun us all because that's the constant threat they live under. Or I can just, you know what, Jesus, I don't know what's going on on but you are amazing and I'm going to worship you I'm going to worship you I'm going to worship you that's 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 not that's consumed not consumerism it's like it's like there's this funny moment it happens in this church happens in most churches okay I'm 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 gonna have to stop soon otherwise I'm gonna be in a roll you know when like we sing a song don't we and then there's a gap in the song there's a gap in the song that we're just music playing before it comes to the verse. We're all singing the song, and then, we're, and then we're like, it's like we're waiting for the next thing to happen. We're waiting for the next one. Like, forget what's on the thing. You can close your eyes and just go, God, we're in a little musical interlude. So I'm just going to say, you're amazing, God. I just think you're fantastic. You're great. I'm not going to sit here like a lemming waiting for these guys to lead me in the next verse, in the next chorus. I might not even sing this song because I just want to worship you. I just want to praise you. That's just what I want to do because I'm not here for me I'm here for you but what I've discovered if I'm here for you then it becomes good for me but if I'm always here for me then sometimes it's going to be good and sometimes it's not because sometimes it might sound naff and sometimes the preacher might not preach well and sometimes live online in the middle of a carol service I'm going to hear a click track going out and all manner of things watch our carol service if you want to know what's going on about is anyone with me today? Is anyone hearing me today? But the real problem, I'm, I'm kind of slightly joking with that stuff, slightly not, but the real problem with consumerism rather consumed is that we embrace selective obedience. And we self-filter the way of Jesus to apply it how we want it to be. And so we say things like, you know, yeah, I'm really happy to be a good example in my workplace, but actually I don't want to speak about my faith. And... Uh, You'll never find me gossiping, but sometimes a little white light is necessary. And I'll totally give my time and, 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 and serve somewhere, but actually I need to keep my finances to myself. And I know that forgiveness is really important, but there are some people who basically are unforgivable. And what we're doing when we do that, and don't we all do that a little, is that we're forming God in our own image. We're, 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 we're creating our own idol. 
We're forming our own faith. And it is the complete opposite of the way of Jesus. That's why the way of Jesus is so countercultural and so culturally offensive in this moment to a culture that says, be whatever you want to be. And Jesus boldly and powerfully and lovingly, by the way, says, don't be whatever you want to be. Don't do that. Be who you were created to be. Become like Jesus. Be free. Be who Jesus would be if he was living your life. Because then and then only will you find freedom. And don't do it to earn God's approval because you're already approved of. And don't try and do it in your own strength because you'll never succeed. But do it in the power of the Holy Spirit as God releases the resources of heaven every second of every day for you to be healed and whole. Free from everything that holds you back. Free to live the life of Christ that you were created to live. Because you see, God loves us so much, and he accepts us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way, doesn't he? He loves us too much to leave us that way. And, and the problem with, with some of this stuff is that even our spiritual practices can become like consumer things. They can become like lists of things to do. You know, I, over the years, I've discipled so many people and think like, you know, I have to read my Bible and I have to pray and I have to serve and I have to give and I have to fast and I have to worship and I have to do all these things. As though those things are as a means, are, are an end in themselves. That's the goal. We tick off those things. I've got to do all of those things. And I believe God is by his spirit here this morning saying to those of us, all of us in different ways who think I have to have to have to do these things. And God is saying, no, 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 no. You don't have to do any of those things. You don't have to do those things. You think, hold on, what, what, what are you saying, Matt? Are you saying those things aren't important? No, I'm not saying those things are not important. What I'm saying is the goal of your life is to draw close to Jesus and become like him. The goal of your life is to draw close to Jesus and to become by him, to be utterly consumed by him. And when you are consumed by him, when you are overwhelmed with wonder at his love, then you want to do those things because those things will propel you into deeper love and relationship with him. And deeper love and relationship with him will bring freedom. And that freedom becomes so intoxicating that you become more consumed and you want to spend more time with him. We need a colossal heart shift, friends. A colossal heart shift so that we can say, and I'm nearly done, I will make time to read in Scripture every day. I'm going to do that. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read the Bible. Not because I have to. And even sometimes my flesh doesn't want to. But I'm going to do it because I want to draw close to God and I want to become more like Jesus. I'm going to gather with Christians on a Sunday and I will go to a Zio group. I'm going to love Jesus more than I hate Zoom. Ooh, that's going to hurt some people. I, 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 I'm going to do it, even though sometimes I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it because I want to get close to God and I want to become more like Jesus. I will sacrificially give my time and my money and my energy to whatever matters to God, including the local church. I'm going to do that thing, not because I have to, but because I want to get close to Jesus and I want to become more like him. I'm going to get up at half past six in the morning this week sometimes, even if I've got bed hair and everything in me, including me. I Listen, let me be honest. I've said this to you before, I don't want to get up at half six in the morning. Is anyone feeling they don't want to get at half six in the morning? Is anyone with me? Uh, any of you early morning people, you're up there at half six anyway. Put your hands up. If I wasn't a Christian, I would hate you, but I don't. 
I wish I was like you. The alarm's going to go off at half six. Nothing in my flesh wants to get up, but my spirit knows that I need Jesus. It knows that I've got to get up because it's not about a ritual or a religious exercise. But if I have those moments with God and with God's people, who knows more of heaven might break out. I want to get close to Jesus. It's why I, I'm going to set aside a Friday night. I like staying home at Friday night. I don't like going out on a Friday night. I like relaxing, chilling out with my wife, meeting friends. But this Friday, I'm going to spend time with Jesus. I'm going to carve out four hours. Can I spend four hours? You know what? I'm going to spend four hours. I don't know what's going to happen, but who knows what might happen because I want to get close to Jesus. I'm committed to come alongside the poor, the broken, the oppressed, the struggling, those on the outside, those that are society is written on. Not because I have to, but because I know when I do, I become more like Jesus because I want to pursue that relationship. I am committed, aren't you, to do the hard, painful work of forgiving other people. Sometimes I don't want to, but I'm committed to because when I do, I know I draw closer to Jesus and I become more like him. I'm prepared to take some risks in sharing my faith, speaking about it, offering to pray with people. I'm prepared to be ridiculed, despised, misunderstood, badly uh, my ruining my reputation, not because I want those things to happen. I want everyone to like me. I don't like it when people don't like me or think I'm weird, but I know if I do those things, I will draw closer to God and I'll become like Jesus. And that's what I need more than anything else in all the world. Is anyone hearing me this morning? That is what it means to be consumed. And listen, that list of things that I've just shared with you, like I'm not there yet. Are you there yet? I'm not there yet. But I want to be. I want to be. I don't want to be who I want to be. I want to be who he wants me to be. And so there's going to be a shift, and it's a shift on the heart from religion to relationship, and then from consumer to consumed. I'm going to do it, God. And we can only do it by his spirit. We can't do it. Like if we, like if we leave today and we go, oh, yes, right, I'm going I'm to do it all differently. Like you've, you've, you've not listened to anything I've said. We're going to come to God as we are in just a moment. And we're going to say, come, Holy Spirit, sh- do a shift in my heart. Yes, I'm going to set an alarm. Yes, I'm going to do the hard work of forgiveness. Yes, wh- whatever this means for you, whatever the shift is for you, of course we have to do something, but we do it not for love or approval. We do it from love and approval. And because we do it, because we know it will draw us closer to Jesus and we will become more like him. Paul says this, it's a change of heart. Romans 2 verse 29, it's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. One of my favorite moments, team, do you want to come back up? One of my favorite moments of someone coming to faith was a few years ago in Zio. I won't embarrass them. And they, 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 weren't, they didn't have a Christian background at all. And, and uh, they just started to come. And they sent me lots of questions. They still do. And, uh, and one day, as we always do, we offer an invitation, as we will today, to come to know Jesus and make him the Lord and Savior. And I was utterly astounded at the back row. She put her hand up. And because uh, I knew she had so many questions and doubts. And at the end of the service, I went up and she was at the back with eyes full of tears. And I said, what, what happened? And she said three words that I've never forgotten, which is, should be the posture of, posture of all of us every single day of our lives. She said this, I gave in. I gave in. 
Would you stand with me? Okay, we, we have started earlier in our service with a view that we will finish by 12, but now that we have more time than usual to respond. That's why we've done this. Because actually what you don't need is preaching, you need an encounter with God. And, and I can't preach you into this, I can't preach myself into this. And so we're going to take some time to wait on God. And so I just want to encourage you, like right where you are, this will be a stretch for some of us. Might never have done this before, but I want you to know that God is here. And he's here to change your heart. And so I just, I want to encourage you, if you feel able to, you don't have to do this, but sometimes when our eyes are open, it is a distraction. If you feel able to, to close your eyes, and you're just doing that, okay, I just want to put out the distractions, because this is a moment for just you and for God. And sometimes, as you say, in, in the church, we, we encourage people to maybe put out their hands in front of them. Again, you don't have to do that, but it's like a physical way of just saying, God, I surrender. I surrender. And so just for a moment, the, the team are going to just play very quietly. And I just want, I want to encourage you right where you are. We're not going to rush this. I have no idea what's going to happen in the next 10 or 15 minutes. But I want you in this moment, in your thoughts, in your whisper, to just pray a short prayer. And you just pray over again. It could just be, come Holy Spirit. It could be, change my heart. It could be, I receive your love. One of those just right where you are and expect as you reach out to God in this moment I'm praying the Holy Spirit will come now and fill this place touch our lives touch our hearts forget everyone around you just come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit find yourself getting emotional, that's okay. Whatever you're feeling, just wrong with it. God's very gentle, He's very loving. Come, Holy Spirit. food, fast this, fast that. Wait on him. We wait on you, Lord. We wait on you. Come, Holy Spirit. 
fill us with your spirit. Just want to start to encourage you just to pray out right where you are. Just pray out. Just tell God how much you love him. Just right where you are. Start to lift our voices to Him as we feel God's touch. Cry out to Him, Jesus. Help me, whatever the prayer of your heart is. prayerful place, don't be distracted, stay in your zone, keep your eyes closed if you can, and uh, Caroline's got a word that she wants to share for with us, so just receive this, it's God speaking to you as you hear this, so just receive this, you're just, you're spending time in his presence, just So I just would like everybody to close their eyes rather than focus on me but I want you to focus on what I saw because I believe that God has given us a glimpse of heaven this morning he's given us a vision of what is to come with this shift of what is happening in the heavenlies in preparation for us being ready for this shift to happen so I saw a really vivid prophetic picture of Jesus standing at the gates of heaven he had the entirety of our Lord God Almighty's power right behind him, the entirety of the power of heaven behind him. And he stood poised and ready and covering our planet Earth were two enormous birds. They were incredibly massive. There was one on one side, there was a dove. And on the other side, there was an eagle. And they were gliding like birds do. They were gliding and they were still and they were ready and they were poised and they were waiting for Jesus. They were waiting for Jesus to give the word. They were waiting for Jesus to set them free, to flap their wings. And Jesus said, when their wings flap, nothing will ever be the same again. From the wings of the dove, he is going to send with one flap of the wings, he said, I will bring unending peace unending love and it will descend to every single corner of our planet, every single place and it will never end from the eagle he says he is going to send unending strength and power and wisdom a supply again that will never end in a way that we don't understand this strength and power and wisdom because it is coming straight from God because it is coming straight from heaven. 
Jesus is ready to go, but his question for us is, are we ready to manage this? Are we equipped? Are we ready to cope? Because he is poised, the birds are waiting. And that's the question we need to ask every single one of ourselves is what do we need to do to be ready to be equipped to cope for what's to come? Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just pause a minute just on that word to allow it just to settle. Thank you, Father. Jesus, thank you, Father. Such good news. Such good news. Thank you, Father God. Jesus. So we're going to continue in this response moment. The guys are going to lead us in a song, which is a prayer to be more like Jesus. And as we do, we're going to create an opportunity for, for people to respond in prayer. So your response might be this song. But I want to offer two responses for people to come forward so that we can pray for you. And so if you have never fully surrendered to love, to Jesus to make him the captain, the leader, the boss, the king of your life. I'm going to invite you as we sing this song to come to the front, to, to this side. Okay, my left, your right. So we know that's your response. And, and today, if you feel really exercised that the Holy Spirit's challenging you about just a, a complete recommitment and renewal of your faith in relationship, that I'm going to come, invite you to come here. Now, on one level, all of us could come forward, probably, but there are some of us particularly who just, we really feel like, oh, I am sorry, God. I want a fresh level of freedom. And the other response that the rest of us can make is that we can sing this song. And like Amy said, we've done this before, you know, sometimes when we sing a song and we encourage people just to make a move, just to go stand, sing it and stand somewhere else. And it's your way of saying, God, okay, I'm, I don't need this and I don't really need that. But I am, I, I don't want to just stand here, God. I am literally saying, I'm going to make a move. Because I want to physically say to heaven and all the people around you, I do need to make a shift, actually. I do need to do that. So God, lead us in this song. And I'm just praying, Holy Spirit, you'll give us courage for those of us who need to come forward. Like it always takes one to be brave. That could be you. I know there are people here. Don't come to make me happy. Make because, come because you know that God's speaking to you. If you need to commit your life to Jesus for the first time, over here. Amy will be here. Caroline will be here. We can bring some other people. If you need just some prayer, we'll keep our things on uh, just for you. A, a rebirthing, a renewal of faith for you. Then join us on the right. And by the way, you know what? We're family as well. And if, if you've been part of Zio in a long time, you just feel like God has stirred you to go and go and pray for someone, just do it. We've got about five minutes left. Just do it. Should we have some heaven's carnage? We just want some heaven's carnage. Let's embrace the mess. I don't want neat and tidy church. I want a move of God. Bring on heaven's mess, all right? So let's just do this. For the next five minutes, come on. Come, Holy Spirit. Just do your thing. Go. Go.